Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello, uh, listeners. So welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner. I am one of your hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I have two very special guests with me today to talk about a comic that I'm very excited about. Um, and I have with me two of the creators. I have Patton Oswalt and Tim Seeley. Uh, Patton and Tim, welcome uh, to the podcast to talk about the alternates spinning out of the world of minor threats. How are you both doing today? Great. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I um, I really love minor threats. I was excited that there was going to be more. I like how it's uh, you know, different characters, kind of a, a divergence from what Minor Threats was. Um, you know, I've been a fan of superhero comics for a long time, but there's a certain, uh, not a, not exhaustion might not be the, the, the right word, but I'm always looking and always excited when I feel like it's kind of being uh, a different take on it. And um, I just, I love that Dark Horse is, is doing this in terms of Minor Threats, and I really like what the alternates is kind of bringing. Um, just for our listeners who might not be familiar, um, I don't know, Patton, if you just wanted to briefly, you know, talk about how Minor Threats came about and then into the alternates. Yeah, Minor Threats was um, I and Jordan Blum's kind of take on um, the low-level D-list working-class supervillains and what their life looks like when an A-level supervillain commits a massive A-level crime, in this case, the murder of an A-level superhero sidekick and the way the heroes, you know, uh, clamp down on the city and make it a police state, the heroes, the low level villains must now decide, well, we can't operate in this atmosphere. Maybe we hand over, we capture this A-level supervillain, hand him over to the heroes and get a little credit in the favor banks. And then um, in that, in the process of trying to survive the night of this new, you know, horrible crackdown, we get their backstories, get a feel for the world, and then kind of end on... I mean, by, at this point, the trade paperback is out, and our main character, uh, this woman uh, named Playtime, who's the daughter of a ex-supervillain, or still current supervillain, decides, you know what, I'm going to take over. Uh, I'm going to become the queen pin of this city and and try to run it uh, to, and, and make a deal with the heroes. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of that, like what kind of stuff goes on behind the scenes, what kind of deal-making goes on behind the scenes, what actually makes a hero, what makes a villain. I, I really liked in with Minor Threats how every once in a while you'll hear like, oh, this is like a blue-collar superhero. And I feel like I've, I've seen that done a little bit, but it always tends to go in the fantastical. I liked how Minor Threats, I felt, really stayed grounded and true to the characters, especially a guy like Pigeon Pete, who... His issue in particular, I just I thought was quite a standout. Yeah, that poor guy. I mean, you know, there there is obsolescence even in the world of crime. Something that a gimmick that you had, um, you know, he was the sort of the internet before the internet uh, with his homing pigeons, and of course now there's no need for him. And so, uh, yeah, the the change of status and what that drives people to do to even get a uh, regain even a, a a smidgen of that status is is one of the many driving points of this, of, of minor threats. Right. And uh, so it was created by you, Jordan Blum, um, Scott Hep Hepburn handled the art. Yes. And so now with the alternates, which are, it's still set in that world in, in Twilight City, 
but all new characters. And then Tim, how did you get involved in um, to come on board for the alternates? Uh, well, so I've known I know Jordan Blum because uh, we were supposed to do a money shot cartoon together. Uh, but then there was that whole thing where everybody was like, no, sex is bad and terrible. And so that went off the table uh, pretty quickly. But he he had sent me uh, the first issue of Minor Threats when when he and Patton and Scott were working on it uh, before it came out. And I just I loved it. I thought, you know, it was the perfect combination of like making a parody of something it was satirical, but it was also serious when it needed to be. And the stakes were high, which I think is you know something I love comedic takes on superheroes. The Tick is one of my favorite comics of all time, but the stakes on those always kind of run out. And, and this had kept the stakes high, which I thought was so cool. Uh, and Penn had also done a superhero book, uh, The JLA, Working to the Welcome to the Working Week, which is one of my favorite superhero books of all time. And, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I love that book. And Pat Gleason, you, I thought it was so great. Uh, and you know, I always, whenever I talk about, uh, uh, you know, JLA books, I always would bring that one up. It's like, that's such a great book. And, and it did sort of what the, uh, Pat and Jordan were doing with, um, with minor threats, but it was about the, like, just the, the life stuff of superheroes, um, the in-between times. And so I was reading that and I kind of, when I read that first issue, I was like, well, what happened to, you know, the other characters in this universe? Because we clearly got this kind of JLA kind of team got these sort of 70s superheroes kind of characters. And like, my thought was what happened to the Vertigo characters in this world? And that kind of kicked off the idea of, oh, they're drug addicts, obviously. <laughs> they used to be Vertigo characters. They used to be these elevated characters. And now they're sort of trying to struggle with uh, living in a world that's like, re it's unbooted them. They like got rebooted and elevated and now they've been reduced. Uh, and so I threw that at um, at Jordan and, and Patton and uh, the, the the response was like, Oh, we love this kind of thing. And it was so easy. It was the easiest pitch I've ever done. Uh, so thanks, guys. It's like a, a <laughs> little bad for me. It's like a quickest pitch ever was this one. Oh, right. Nice. Well, what I really, and I, I really liked issue one of the alternates. And what I liked about it, and I think because the books with Dark Horse, comparisons to something like Black Hammer are, are going to be inevitable. But whereas I think, you know, with Black Hammer, the main story dealt with these superhero characters that now are on this farm. It's a bit of a mystery comic. It's a bit of a, a drama in terms of how they're interacting with each other. You know, here we see where the place that they went to, the other dimension, they they were so elevated. And now they've come back and they're kind of struggling to adapt with that life. And they're such interesting characters. Um, What is it? Crab, Crab Louie, Kin, Crustacea over there. I'm just like... I. I, it looked like at the end of one that he's going to be the main focus of issue two. And I am ready. I am ready for it. <laughs> you are right. Yes. Uh, and, I, you know, we're doing kind of a pastiche uh, to some degree in the same way that Minor Threats is kind of pastiche. But it's also, um, you know, doing a sort of slightly different take on it. And the name Crabaloo was Jordan. I was either Jordan or Pat. Was it was that Jordan? I think it was Jordan. I forget. I th it feels like it was Jordan. So I did this design and I sent it off and Patton says, that looks like a Beetleborg. So I went back and redid it. And it, somehow the second time it came out, it was when I figured out that he has a crab, like he has a lobster sticking to his face. And I was like, that's when it works. Like he's made out of lobsters. Yeah. That's like when it, it came together. But uh, that character is completely just like a, all this jamming on something together. And you know, him being like a sort of burnt out suburban dad is, is probably my, one of my favorite parts of the series. Yeah, so it shows, I mean, just 
for anyone who um, is interested in it, for the listeners, it, it's these characters have basically gone through like a portal called the ledge. They have been there for a number of years. They've now come back and they're, they're. Oh, so it is, it's very reminiscent of uh, folks going through addiction and recovery and about yeah. grief and loss. Um, but, but just very character driven, it feels like, which is another thing that, that I love. It feels like character is first for the alternates. And I think that's what kind of sometimes I, with, I, I mean, I, not to knock any like big two book and superhero universes constantly getting rebooted, but I love when I feel like character is first and I feel like dark horse is putting out a lot of stuff where that's the case. And I, I really love that. And it felt the alternates felt like, like very true to that. Yeah, the alternates especially has in the future issues. There are, I don't want to spoil them, but there are moments where because it's character first, you feel like the characters are almost making. There's a very specific moment in issue two where characters make decisions that almost upset the overall plot because we're so used to the way a superhero, not not only the way a superhero plot goes, but the way a postmodern deconstructivist superhero plot goes and then there are decisions that are made that even go against that like the, the characters truly are their own people making their own decisions um almost to the out of control of the writers and, <laughs> and out of control of the narrative which is how real life is which i love i love when those moments happen where you're like this guy can't stop himself doing this stupid thing yeah and one thing we talked about kind of early is that it, it, it ended up being kind of a uh, good thing for the timing is that we, we have characters that have this sort of unlimited rebootability and that they can have multiverses. It sort of reduces the stakes because, you know, it's cool when you get to see, uh, we were just watching the flash before we came down here. It's neat to see like all your characters together and Batman's and all this stuff, but like it inherently sort of removes the stakes for the character, right? Like now yes. there's there because they, they're, they're one of many. And, and so they can be easily replaced. And, we kind of thought it would be interesting is if, you know, when you're rebooted, it's not like it's not like you go into some multiverse and, and you know, get to live in some other time. It's that you have to deal with the consequences of, of, of that when you come back. Uh, you're and that's you know, a longing for it. Right. And then not only that, but it kind of was it was better. You know, you have to live in this life. Um, I feel like I don't know, maybe it's it's I'm showing my age a little bit, but like I feel like a lot of my stories lately are about like you get the thing you wanted, which I kind of feels like. I have the comic career I wanted and I have all those things, but my fear is I'll lose it. And I think that's the, you know, it's like, it's, which is a uniquely different fear of like, I won't get that thing I wanted. Um, but it's that you got it and you, it, and it could be taken away. And how would you deal with that, that change in your life? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a, a moment in the alternates and where, where Mary Marie is kind of, you know, talking about, you know, she's trying to, I think like, pretend in the narration that that she's doing fine and um you know she kind of says like she's different from everybody else and uh, but you realize as she's saying that that she's you know not and it's revealed at the end in terms of what her life in in the ledge was like but when, i think it's during that part where i again i think it's crab louis is like at an aquarium with his hand up to or his claw up to the glass yeah. and you know so you're you're now the, to the point where you had this thing and you've lost it. And um, yeah, I mean, like it's really grounded in terms of trying to come to terms with something so fantastical. And now you're back in your, your, your regular life. I, I just really, I, I found it fascinating and I was, I loved it. I just was, yeah, 
uh, just such a great second part to the minor threats world. It's and, tough too. It, it was like almost like a little scary to to pitch these guys something and then have them go for it because the characters of minor threats are so great. Um, but it's sort of a it's it's we're taking a little bit of a gamble to say you know what the the star of this is the world and it's the way Patton and Jordan treat the characters and the way Scott designs them. We're saying like that's sort of the star. And I I you know I hope that's what people think of it too because there's such a huge world and so so many takes on it that can be done. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope other people get excited about it the way that that I did when I read the first Minor Threads. Right. Like, yeah, oh my god, there's so much stuff here. There's so many you know questions I have, and I just that I mean that's always the appeal to me of superhero books is ideas. Like the best superhero books are just you know like I always think of when I read a Grant Morrison book, and it's just like here's an idea, isn't that amazing? Uh, moving on, and it's just you know right. fill in those ideas. Yeah. And so for art, you know, and for the alternates, it's uh, Christopher Mitten for most of the story, and then Tess Fowler for the um, the couple of pages of the of Mary Marie's Ledge World, and mm-hmm. then um, Ian Herring on colors, and uh, Nate Picos is uh, lettering again. I think uh, Nate also lettered uh, Minor Threats, and Ian Herring did the colors for Minor Threats. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, great. I mean, great creative team. I'm a big fan of Christopher Mitten. He had a book with uh, Jeremy Hahn. 40 seconds, I think, was a comicsology original, which was a lot of fun. Wow. He's an amazing artist. We wanted something that looked kind of with that. There's like a specific era of kind of uh, sophisticated adult comics that, you know, but not like porn ones. But when Vertigo started <laughs> things and, and they would get these artists that maybe couldn't find a place in um, in monthly superhero books, but they were so perfect for for this kind of vibe. So I was thinking of, you know, early Chris Pachalo and um, uh, Charlie Adler, who, who was on Shade the Changing Man, and um, uh, Phil Jimenez when he was on doing uh, uh, Invisibles, they had like a style that's just a little bit off kilter uh, to their work. And I felt like Chris is that guy. Like it's just it's just a little bit sort of you know off kilter, and it allows you to do something that feels really uh, authentic and sort of off and a little bit creepy. Right. I felt like he really brought that to this, and I've I've known him for like 20 years. He's actually a Chicago guy uh, like myself. Uh, so I've been looking for something to do with him. I'm so glad we got to do this one together. All right, fellow cryptids. Now seems like a good time for a break. I'm always looking for a way to display my comics, but unfortunately I am not very handy or crafty as it were. Luckily I have come across crafty comics and they have a way for you to display your comics, even Uh, comic books that are already slabbed, if that's your kind of thing. I recently got a flex frame, which has customizable backings and interchangeable border colors. I was able to put in a frame a comic book. It's Batman Elmer Fudd, uh, number one, by Tom King, Lee Weeks. It's signed by both. It's one of my uh, favorite signed comics that I got at Baltimore Comic Con. And I was able to figure it all out. It looks great in the frame. And I can't wait to get it up on the wall. It was super easy. And I have a slew of comic books now. And uh, much to my wife's chagrin, I think I'm going to create a wall of some of my favorite signed comic books. Um, And Crafty Comics was super easy to use. And I like that you can have a different border color along the background to kind of go along with the theme of the cover art. 
And yeah, it was a, it's great, and uh, I absolutely love it. So check it out. It's Crafty Comics, C-R-A-F-T-I-C-O-M-I-C-S dot com. Use the discount code YETI5 and get 5% off your order. And now, back to the Cryptid Creator Corner. And how does the, the scripting process work with, like, are, are, is, is Tim, are you kind of taking the rowing oar, or how does that work in terms of uh, creatively? No, it's a big-ass jam. I mean, we, <laughs> we get on a Zoom or a phone call, we talk about it. Uh, so Patton uh, and Jordan and I, um, and then we kind of talk out all these ideas. Uh, we, ch- we did the big sort of ideas first. Um, Patton is sort of like the, he's the North Star. He just like drops in and goes, it's about this. And then he just like drops his mic and walks in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, and so then, and then Jordan and I refine it sort of down, you know, to each issue, what the plot will be. And then we send it to Scott because he's an important part of the team too. And, uh, yeah. and so, you know, we say like, what do you think, what characters here should we design, you know? And so I would take a pass and I would send it to Scott. And if I didn't nail it, uh, he would, you know, help me out and we would work towards getting a better design. Uh, and then, you know, then it's off to Chris and we all, it's all sort of uh, very committee ish. Like we all read it. We all make notes. Um, it's c- true collaboration is uh, a thing that comics are real good for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, and it's worked out great. Like we, we never even had a giant fight where we threatened to sue each other. Like not even. <laughs> well, not, not yet. <laughs> Hopefully you won't get there. Yeah. Right. Hopefully that'll, that'll never happen. Um, I did bring my lawyer to this conversation. So just so you know. Oh, okay. Is that me? Because I am a lawyer. Uh, but <laughs> that's what I do in my day job. Um, so, uh, Patton, uh, in terms of your relationship to comics and some of the things that you've written before, um, what do you look back uh, in terms of the things that influenced you early on? That now that you're, you know, creating comics. Um, whether or not it's it's minor threats or I mean you've you you writ, wrote Black Hammer Visions number one and you've you know written for Marvel. You know, what kind of things do you look back on that you realize like, oh, these are things that are part of my DNA because I, I was a fan of them? Well, I mean, obviously uh, a lot of the stuff from the eighties when they were comics were being kind of reconsidered and deconstructed, the big three being Frank Miller, Neil Gaiman, and Alan Moore. And that led me down paths to writers like, you know, Warren Ellis and Garth Ennis and, you know, like that. Also, you know, John Ostrander's uh, Suicide Squad was a huge, just like the the comics that, yes, they're still giving us action. But they they take a little moment to breathe and present these weird little the human uh, instances that I think draw you in. Can you can you find what still connects us humanly, even though someone's wearing spandex or can maybe shoot beams out of their eyes, what would that do to humanity if you could do that? I mean, one of the things about minor threats is what if you had petty criminal tendencies, but you had superpowers and what would your tantrums look like? What would your pettiness look like? What would your envy look like if you had powers? So that kind of, you know, element was really, really fun to work with. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, some of those comics of, of the the 80s, um, I mean, you, you hear some folks sometimes say, like, things don't age well. But there's so many of them that I think are still touchstones that writers today continue to go back to. And oh, then yeah. plus, when you get into those 90s, like the Vertigo comics of the late 80s and early 90s. And it's interesting to see come of, some of those 
sensibilities uh, come back and to see writers and artists kind of playing with a lot of those elements in the comics today. I, I think something like Minor Threats and Alternates is doing in a doing it in an interesting way that I haven't quite seen anybody else do yet, which is why it's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Alternates was, I'm a huge fan of Tim Seeley's work. I'm not trying to embarrass you, Tim, but, you know, he has a lot of the same motivations with, with comics, which is a lot of the, the stuff that, that inspires me is stuff I love that nevertheless I have problems with. Stuff I love, I'm like, why didn't they go that much further with it? If you're, if you're reading Tim Seeley's Local Man right now, there's a lot of that. God, I love those 90s image comics, but they're also so cheesy. But why do I still love them? And so he's re, um, revisiting them, and it's really fascinating. And there was a lot about the 80s comics that I love, but then there was stuff about, especially the, the meta and deconstructive stuff that got a little bit up its own butt. So I was like, okay, let's look at, start looking at that, and especially with, with the alternates and, and a lot of the Vertigo stuff, which I love the Vertigo stuff, but then there were things Vertigo do sometimes where I'm like, you're starting to create your own tropes that you're now falling, uh, falling in with. So it's interesting to see that happen and see that explored. And Tim, you know, in terms of like your experience uh, and all the different comics you've worked on and now, you know, speaking of like local man, I think that's the one that you're doing with uh, Tony Fleeks. Um, you know, what is it like with, you know, having worked on superhero stuff before and now kind of playing in these different universes and creator own stuff? Like, is it, do you ever get to like a point where you're like, I need a superhero and I cannot think of a single power to give this individual? <laughs> I think I do love superheroes, but they're not the reason I love comic books. Um, I love comics as a medium, you know, regardless of superheroes. And I think sometimes it drives me crazy that comics are so associated with superheroes. Um, just because, you know, like when a superhero movie bombs, they call it a comic book movie, even though it's like, no, that's a superhero movie. <laughs> that's <Right>. different. <laughs> and it really, I just, sometimes that association drives me crazy. I feel like the last, honestly, you know, I, I, I feel like local man and alternates is kind of my reaction against like, yes, I love superheroes, but by God, why can't we move away from this in some ways? Or why can't we do something you know different with it? Or why can't, why won't people read something other than these characters? Um, and, and I know part of it is just because of how well comics work with superheroes. Uh, you know, the colors and the, and the sort of like very much, you know, uh, reduced, um, you know, uh, uh, designs and stuff that works so well. It's, it's because of that. And, and so it, it's like, there, it's almost my therapy going through like, and exactly what Patton said, like, Sometimes I'm reading this this older stuff. I'm like, why did I like this? It's so terrible. But then I think if you can pick up on what what you liked about it, you can remember, you know, these sort of early inspiration and and you know, like the old '90s image stuff. It's not great stories, but it's so much full of energy. It's so much full of life, and it crackles. I think in a way. And so then the job is to try to recapture that. And I think the Vertigo stuff, you know, exactly what Pan said, um, that there was a pretension to it, like a. Uh, you know, our, our farts don't stink. And, and I think there's a way to sort of say, well, you know, what was so great about those things? It was that humanity, uh, the myth making they were doing and the bringing in influences from other stuff, you know, famously Swamp Thing, Al Moore was bringing in poetry and literature and, and Neil Gaiman was bringing in all this crazy, you know, you know fairy tales and old British uh, myths and stuff. And I think that's the, the key is finding those original 
touch points that that made you excited and trying to explore them you know in a slightly new way with tongue and cheek and firmly aware of the of the faults of those things yeah um no i mean that that you know that makes a lot of sense i mean i read a lot of i've read a lot of superhero comics but i read a lot of you know other things too uh, um main uh, pro- probably mainly other type of indie books i mean i just just got back from a, a week at the shore with with my family, and I don't I don't think I, I read a single superhero thing. It was a lot of uh, catching up on Undiscovered Country and White Ash and uh, Metal Shark Bro, which I which I really loved. Uh, you had me at the Metal Shark Bro title. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that's a, a scout one. A Kevin Cuff, Bob France. That was uh that was uh that was a really fun one. So um, you know, it has some of those same like elements, but you know, very, very different. And horror comics are like huge right now. That's another like another fun thing. Um you know, so how many is it planned out in terms of the number of issues for the alternates? Four. It'll yeah. be four issues. Okay, great. And with the first one, September 13th. Um yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I thought it was just wonderful. I really loved it. And um I, I'm I everyone should at least there's a million reasons to read it but crab louie again i just i just <laughs> loved i i love the character love everything about it i love the mix of you know now he's a suburban house husband and uh you know i just thought it was just so great uh, the, and the scripting of it the writing um uh, yeah and christopher mitten fits really well in with the rest of uh the rest of the creative team thank you if the book is done we finished it we're we're like, we know it'll come out on time. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. not every other project I'm involved in. It's going to be <laughs> like up to the damn wire. Yeah. It's um, done. We're good. <laughs> Dark Horse I, is really good about that. Daniel Shabon, uh, our editor, they really, Dark Horse like takes care to do stuff, which is uh, incredible. You know, like yeah, we, they, it's run by people who are excited to see the comics come out, which is rare. And, and boy, is it great. Yeah. We love those guys. So big, big shout out to Daniel and, yeah. and Brett. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for uh, working with us. And thank you for putting up with, uh, we were a little bit slow there in moments uh, with other stuff. So we got, yeah. it, got it out though. I, I, I wanted to say I um in preparing for this, I went back and reread a, a couple of things and I did go back and reread uh Patton, your issue of black hammer visions, oh. number one. And one of the things I, I, remember reading it when it came out it had a line in it that i absolutely loved I, and i this is not a question really i just wanted to say since you're on the podcast that oh. uh when they're sitting in the diner and um uh barbara uh, eunice says something to if you remember eunice says something to barbara about you know why don't you just get ice cream because of the amount of sugar she's putting in her coffee and she says black coffee tastes uh, like angry crayons. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I I still remember that line. I just thought oh, that's just thanks. a great a great line. And uh, thank you. So I just wanted to say that since you're on the podcast, um, because that was uh the fantastic issue of Black Hammer Visions, all about uh, thank you, Golden Gale. Thanks so um, much, man. I appreciate it. And um, you know, I don't uh anything else that you any other comics uh that you guys have coming out that you want to shout out real quick or that you're into right now. That's just the one. That's the one we really focus on is the alternates coming out September 13th. First issue. I actually have, I actually have local man gold comes out. I think the same day. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, All right. Good. Uh, it's the local man, sort of like a one shot between the stories. Um, and it's a, it's a giant crossover in one issue. 
so it, it involves uh, such image stars as uh, as Boof from the Bruise Crew and uh, uh, Fire Breather and uh, let's see who else. There's Scrap from uh, Dynamo 5. Just an assortment of all kinds of weird characters and a couple of surprise cameos uh, that I had to pull some uh, favors to get uh, to get characters involved. Can't wait. Oh, oh my that's, God, that's awesome. awesome. That's a, a, a Tim Seeley twofer on uh, September yeah. 13th, New Comic Book Day. Uh, well, uh, uh, gentlemen, I, I really appreciate you you being here and being on the podcast. Like I said, a big fan of Minor Threats. Um, I think the work that the creative team has done on that is just phenomenal. And it's great to see the idea of like blue-collar superheroes, but that it, it stays grounded and I think is very true to his, its premise. And I'm very much looking forward to uh, where the alternates goes after reading um, – you know, the, the first issue. And especially if you're listening and you're a fan of those Vertigo comics, if you're a fan of things like Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol, um, Shade. Yeah, man. yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then I think you're, you're really going to love um, uh, what uh, this team is building with uh, the alternates. So yeah, I I'd suggest everybody check it out and uh, Patton Thanks, and man. Tim. Yay. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the uh, Cryptid Creator Corner. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. Have a great rest of your Sunday. All, All right. right. You Take too. Bye, Bye, guys. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.